Good morning, everybody. Like Bobby said, my name is Riker. And if we haven't two-minute mingled before, uh, I am a senior at Moody Bible Institute studying pastoral ministry within interdisciplinary in youth ministry. Uh, that's the goal, to do youth ministry for as long as the Lord lets me. Uh, but something that you might not know about me, uh, a little-known secret, is I was once a shepherd. Sounds weird. We have photo evidence right here. Um, <laughs> So hopefully this is going to help um, with the passage we're talking about today. I've got some good news, and I've got some bad news, says your photographer friend. The good news is your wedding was one of the most beautiful events I've ever photographed. But the bad news is I might have forgotten to grab the right battery for my camera that morning. I have some good news. And I have some bad news, says your professor. The good news is that 10-page paper that you were about to lock yourself in the library and put in a Red Bull IV for is being extended to next week. But the bad news is I might have forgotten to mention that it's single-spaced. I've got some good news, and I've got some bad news, says your doctor. The good news is we're naming a disease after you. If you missed it, that's also the bad news, too. We live in an alloyed world. Good news and bad news mixed together. Sometimes the good news has just a tinge of bad news. That awesome job offer that you just accepted might mean moving away from family and friends. But other times, the bad news eclipses the good news altogether. That long-expected pregnancy ends in a miscarriage. These disappointments and frustrations, they build up inside of us, and they can leave a bad aftertaste in our mouth. And so, we can start to become cynical. Do you feel the weed of cynicism growing inside of you? It can ruin even the lushest of gardens, even the best seasons of life. And there's so many things that you can get cynical about. It just needs some little seed, something small to start. It could be porch pirates. It could be filling out your 1040 or your FAFSA if you're a student. You can even be cynical about other people who are cynical. Like a weed, cynicism sprouts quickly and it saps our joy. And the longer it sits in us, the deeper the roots grow. Is there anything that we can do to weed out the cynicism in our hearts? Today, I have some good news, purely good news, no strings attached. Sound naive or cliche? Understandable, but maybe, just maybe, the good news it's too good not to be true. So, before we dive into that, let me pray for us real quick. Heavenly Father, I thank you so, so much for this church community, um, for my brothers and sisters here as we gather uh, to hear your word. God, we're desperate for some good news, and so I pray uh, that you would give us all ears to hear it this morning, and would you give me a mouth to speak it clearly and faithfully. God, we dedicate this time to you. In Jesus' name we pray. 
Amen. All right. If you have a Bible with you, you can go ahead and turn with me to Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 8. That's where we'll be this morning. Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 8. And we'll also have it up on the screen as well. But as we're getting to the same page in our Bibles, I want us to also get on the same page in another sense. This is a Christmas story, right? one of the few that we see in the New Testament. And as soon as I say that word Christmas, our minds start to download all of these pictures and connotations. And so I'd ask you to put aside the nativity scene, put aside the Christmas concerts, and step into the story afresh, like it's the first time that you've heard it. It started off like any other night. The sun had dipped under the horizon of the field of Bethlehem. It was quiet, except for the occasional bleeding of a shifting sheep or the rustling of the wind in the grass. And it was dark. Back in a time before the luxury of light was readily available, you couldn't just flip on a flashlight to see at night. The only light sources that you had were the moon and the stars and maybe a fire at your feet. Though, what they lost in the luxury of light, they also gained in a lack of light pollution. Without all the lights that we have nowadays, you could see the stars expanded in the sky above. Compared to the skyscrapers and sirens of Chicago, this was a pretty peaceful night, and yet, even so, something felt unsettling about this night. In this ordinary night, in this ordinary field, were some ordinary shepherds huddled together. Now, sheep were really, really important back in this time. They used sheep for food, for clothes, even for sacrifices in the temple of Yahweh. And so shepherds were a staple in Israel's community. It was normal to be a shepherd, a very average job. And these shepherds, they joined a long lineage, spanning all the way back to their ancestors, Father Abraham and King David. They couldn't clock in and out of their job, but their one job that they had was pretty simple. Keep watching the sheep. But suddenly, their attention is diverted from the sheep as a stranger breaks in to the scene. And that's where we're going to pick up in verse 9. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. Now, when it says an angel of the Lord appeared to them, this isn't a chubby heaven baby. Right? That's this picture that we have in our times about angels. But this is an inhabitant of the spiritual realm breaking into our dimension and displaying the glory of God. It's dazzling. The angel didn't look fake. The angel made everything around it look fake. And the shepherds are terrified. It's really easy for us to look down on the shepherds, I think, 
and to say, why are you reacting like this? But we see that same reaction time and time again in Scripture. And I were to bet you, if an angel were to appear to us right here, we would have the exact same reaction. I can imagine the shepherds groveling in the dirt, just wishing that this intruder would go away. That emptiness in the night that once hanged inside them is now longed for. If only it was dark. If only it was quiet. And yet, the one whom the shepherds fear might be the death of them actually comes with a message of life. The angel has some good news, purely good news, no strings attached. We see Verse 10, and the angel of the Lord said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. This news, it isn't monotone or boring. Instead, two words give us the tone of it. Great joy. It's also not elitist news, just reserved for card-carrying Pharisees, or people with their names etched in the bricks of the temple. This is news for ordinary shepherds. So what's the good news? What does the angel have to say? For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Wow. This is a big moment. You see, this moment fulfills millennia of expectation and waiting as the Israelites had heard these promises that God would come and rescue them. And all of that builds up to this night, in this field, to these shepherds. It's shocking and intimate. The angel pronounces that the Savior Christ Lord is born. And the angel here isn't using a heavenly thesaurus. Right? Each of those words adds depth and meaning to this baby that's been born. He's the savior here to rescue people. He's Christ, a king descended from the line of David. And he's Lord, God himself. God entered into time and space into a trough. This is the best baby reveal party of all time. And this is only the pre-show. See, making brighter the already blinding lights, suddenly the starry sky rips open, revealing hordes of angels painted on the canvas of the sky. This was an army entering a battlefield. But ironically, they don't come to bring war, but to bring peace. And if only one angel was enough to make the shepherds soil their robes, imagine the power of an entire host of them. This is sensory overload. I don't know if any of you have ever been skydiving before, but I imagine it was something like that. You have the wind blowing in your face. You have the loud uh, noises around you. There was a lot 
going on here. Suddenly, the sheep bleeding and the grass shifting are nothing compared to the cacophony of praise that's now filling the air and pounding on the shepherd's eardrum. And we hear what the angels proclaimed in verse 14. Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. The glory of God that was once made visible to the shepherds is now made audible as well. And even though this display is more brilliant than any halftime show that's ever been performed, the angels humbly point the attention back to their cosmic king, whom even they are under. They pronounce peace over the earth. The peace that was once lost in the Garden of Eden. The peace that we crave and long for. Not counterfeit peace, like the peace of Rome, Pax Romana, that Caesar Augustus offered in those days. You see, Caesar Augustus, he claimed to be the son of Zeus. He claimed to be a savior for the people. And yet, this political peace that he offered was empty and hollow. That empire has fallen. There's a lot of hollow peace around us today, too. Shepherds and angels. It's a pretty unlikely pair, and yet God chose these two groups to celebrate the baby who was born to save the cosmos. And through them, each of these groups serve as representatives, the angels representing heaven and the shepherds representing earth. And we see these two groups coming together around the same nucleus, Jesus. You see, like the shepherds and his ancestor David, Jesus comes to the earth humbly from the very beginning. His humility didn't just start at the cross, but it started all the way back in Bethlehem. But also, like the angels, the glory of God radiates from Jesus' face. He is the horizon on which heaven and earth converge. And so, brothers and sisters, I have good news for us this morning. Purely good news, no strings attached. Heaven and earth collide in this infinite infant. He is infinite. Right? The God who created all things, and yet he's also an infant. Jesus needed diapers. It's a mystery for us to marvel at. So take it in. Savor the good news of Christmas. This right here is the spiritual we'd be gone that our souls long for, that can kill the cynicism inside us. Do you feel fed up, tired, just done with it all? Well, there's great joy to be had. Jesus meets the shepherds, or the angels meet the shepherds where they're at. And God also meets us where we're at as well. He meets the parent who's just sick and tired of monitoring screen time. 
meets the student overwhelmed, not knowing how they're going to complete the tsunami of papers coming up. Meets the pastor who has been spinning plates and trying to keep it all going. And doesn't ignore the struggle. Right? This good news doesn't just pretend like the bad things aren't a reality, but instead it faces it head on. Like we sang about earlier, a thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices. This isn't a hallmark joy, or a joy that is, it sounds great, but it ignores the difficulty. This is true and lasting joy. To follow Jesus is to have great joy. And so, what would it look like for you to display this great joy as we head into this Christmas season? Maybe it's reading the book of Philippians, a book where joy is a central theme. Maybe it's having a feast, bringing around family and friends to celebrate the good news that Jesus has come to the world to save us. Or maybe it's something else that I can't think of for you, but that God is laying on your heart. Whatever it is, we are called to be a people of joy. And yet, the good news doesn't just stop with us. You see, after the shepherds played a game of hide-and-seek, they finally found Jesus. And having found him, they made known to the people around them what had just happened. In verse 17, it says, And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child to Mary and Joseph and the other people who were nearby. And admittedly, they don't have the full picture yet. This isn't the full gospel. And yet, the shepherds are making known what God has done, what God has told them. The angels could have had an encore performance for Mary and Joseph and the other people around them. But instead, God chose to do something different. God chose to send the shepherds as the new messengers. And that's something that God loves to do, using human agents to display his glory. An agent is a human acting on the behalf of God. And we see that all over the Bible. From Adam and Eve, who are called to continue cultivating the beautiful garden that God had made, to Moses, who heard the word of God and then proclaimed it to the people of Israel as he led them out of Egypt, to these shepherds, to even us today. The good news is meant to be shared. I have a confession to make. Growing up, when I would hear a preacher say something like that, I would start to shift nervously in my seat because I knew that evangelism was important, but it scared me. It overwhelmed me. I even bought a book about evangelism in middle school, got through the second chapter, and then gave it away to a friend who clearly needed it more than I did. <laughs> it felt like a chore that I could never quite check off. How about you? 
Are you starting to shift nervously in your seat? There's an important distinction that we need to make between legalistic evangelism and joyful evangelism. You see, legalistic evangelism says that I share the good news to earn God's love. But joyful evangelism, the evangelism that we see here in this passage, says that we share the good news because of God's love. It's already been given to us. Joy is so, so important here. Because without joy, the good news is just news. And we have plenty of that to go around. What connotation does evangelism have for you? What does your mind think of when I say that word? And how might you joyfully share the good news of Jesus this Christmas season? Our story this morning wraps up by panning to the different reactions of the characters in the story. First, it pans to everyone, everyone who heard the shepherds, and they react with shock and wonder. The message of God in troth necessitates no less strong of a response. And then there's Mary. Mary hears these things and treasures it in her heart, pondering this mystery that's unfolding before her. What a beautiful example that she sets for us as we hear this good news as well. And then lastly, there's the shepherds. And the shepherds, having heard and seen the glory of God, now speak the glory of God and proclaim his goodness. They return to the same ordinary fields that night, and yet everything had changed. And so may we go and do likewise, making room for joy this Christmas season. Let me pray for us. God, we praise you for uniting heaven and earth together through Jesus. Thank you so much for this incredible gift of, of him um, and the mystery that we get to celebrate in this season. God, I pray that as we go from here, you would help us to digest your good news and then share it with a world that's starving. We love you, God, because you loved us first, and I pray that we would never, ever forget that. It's in Jesus' name that we pray all these things. Amen. Thank Riker for uh, speaking with us this morning. What a great job. Super encouraging. And man, what a, it's, let me, I've been doing this long enough um, that I, it's different. And let me just say to stand up in front of your church that you've been coming to for a while for the first time is a nervous endeavor. Um, feels that way sometimes after 10 years. And so, man, you couldn't even tell, right? And so, really good job. You did awesome. Um, I want to, um, we're going to take just this word that Rikers has shared with us and just such an encouraging thing, and we're going to take this into communion now.